Joe Biden picks Kamala Harris for VP, and the Trump campaign is rightly licking its chops. Get ready. The campaign is on. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. If you don't like the government spying on you, visit expressvpn.com slash Ben to stay safely anonymous. So, so, it has happened. Joe Biden finally picked his VP, or as I like to put it, heiress apparent. Uh-huh, heiress apparent. You got it, you got it, got it. Because he is not going to live through his first term. Okay, I know we're not supposed to say that. I know we're not supposed to say that, but six in 10 Americans agree with me, including some 57% of independents and 49% of Democrats. The reason that the VP pick matters this time, and I have been a longtime advocate of the notion that the VP pick does not matter nearly at all. It matters this time because everyone assumes that Joe Biden is at the very least not going to run for re-election and probably will not finish his first term. He himself has called himself a transitional candidate. He is obviously in a state of cognitive decline. It is perfectly obvious to everyone. And at this point, President Trump should simply ignore Joe Biden and go directly after Kamala Harris and say, this is the next president of the United States, not Joe Biden. And Joe Biden made her the issue. See, this is a real strategic blunder by Biden. I'm frankly amused and astonished by the number of people in the conventional political class who have suggested that this was the safest pick. This was the the pick that made the most sense. It makes no sense at all. None. Biden's entire campaign is predicated on the assumption that Joe Biden is basically a return to normalcy. He is a non-threatening, elderly, grandfatherly character who is not going to threaten anything about the way America was running before President Trump became president. He's not a radical. He's not transformative. He's just a dude. And because he's just a dude and kind of an elderly, doddering dude at that, you don't have to worry about Joe Biden. You don't have to worry about chaos in the streets. You don't have to worry about the crazy tweets coming out of the White House. All you have to do is simply go about your business and Joe Biden will have your back. That was the Biden campaign in a nutshell. And so you should focus when you go into the voting booth on his opponent. You should focus on the volatility and the and the kind of craziness of, of Donald Trump's presidency when he choose to vote. So when he picked a VP, he should have underscored those strengths, right? What he should have done is he should have picked somebody like Amy Klobuchar. He should have picked somebody who was inherently non-threatening, somebody that the American public widely perceives to be somewhat moderate. Instead, he decided to cave to the Twitterati. And he made this mistake for a couple of reasons. First, he decided very early on that he was going to pick a woman. Well, as soon as you say that you're basically going to pick a VP based on tokenistic concerns, and let's face it, that is a tokenistic concern, whether your VP is a woman. Okay, that, that, that does not say anything about her character. It does not say anything about her politics. Nikki Haley is a woman. The, the idea that this is a criteria for picking the VP is the, is the sex to which they belong is a bizarre idea on its face. And it becomes even more bizarre when you realize that the Democratic Party platform at this point is that women don't exist and a man can be a woman. <laughs> so as my friend Matt Walsh has pointed out, it's very bizarre that the media are championing first female black VP pick by a Democrat, it's just incredible, incredible stuff. They don't even believe women exist. So I'm wondering what's so historic about a, an individual with the cervix, as the media might put it, being selected as the VP candidate. They can't, they, they literally say there are no, no differences between men and women to the point where a man can be a woman, but it's very historic that Kamala Harris is in fact a woman. In any case, Joe Biden early on signaled he was gonna pick a woman. Well, this boxed him in, but it didn't box him in that much because there, there was still a bevy of qualified women who are out there. Then, because he had already caved to okay, I have to pick somebody who is representative of a particular demographic population in the United States. Then he was pushed into, okay, it has to be a a black woman. It has to be a woman of color. Okay, so he he sort of futzed between black woman and woman of color. And finally, he settled on Kamala Harris. And she was probably the worst available pick. There there are some other people who are up for this thing. Val Demings in Florida, largely anonymous, but at least not disliked by the American public. You had Karen Bass in California, who's kind of a communist, but again, not very well known. 
and at least had significant support in the black community as the longtime head of the Congressional Black Caucus. And then you had Kamala Harris, a woman so deeply unpopular that she dropped out of the presidential race before her voters in California even had a chance to vote on her. She was registering at 7% in the California primaries. Kamala Harris was such a bad candidate that after jumping to the lead early on in the race, based again on those Twitter blue check marks, checking particular boxes, woman, black. Well, she jumped to the top of the race and then she immediately flamed out because it turns out that she's garbage at this. She's a terrible politician. She's manipulative. She's Machiavellian. She has very few principles. And what principles she does have are radical. And that's who Joe Biden chose. Is that supposed to make people feel sanguine about the future of the country? Is that supposed to make people feel comforted and solidified in their belief that he is, in fact, a moderate who's going to carry America on gentle waves to better days? Is that really the the pick that makes a lot of sense? The answer, of course, is no. And so the media have been attempting to spin this thing as though Harris is a moderate. This is an incredible attempt. It really is. Because as we will examine throughout today's show and in the coming days, Kamala Harris is not only not a moderate, she's extraordinarily radical in her policies. She's been rated one of the most liberal senators in the United States Senate. GovTrack.us rated her as the fourth most liberal senator in the United States Senator in the United States Senate, just behind Bernie Sanders and Kirsten Gillibrand. She voted with Bernie Sanders 92% of the time while she was in the Senate. Okay, that, that is not a moderate. And she's not a pragmatist either. She is she's a hardcore leftist who is pragmatic only in the sense that she will do nearly anything to get ahead politically. She will switch her positions. She will flip on a dime. She will make accusations that are really ugly about people simply to push herself forward. If I'm Joe Biden, I'm getting a food taster today. Today. Do not have Kamala Harris in the same room when you're eating lunch, Joe Biden. For your own preservation, at the very least, you might want some life insurance. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that Your cell phone bill does not have to be the same every month. It can change. And right now you are paying far too much for your cell phone bill, like hundreds of dollars a month. Why? Why? Who's your wireless provider? Is it AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile? What if I told you that Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers, same towers, same exact coverage, but literally costs you half the money? How do they make it so affordable? Well, first, they cut out the retail stores so you're not funding billion-dollar ad campaigns, and you're only paying for the data you need. So instead of paying for unlimited data that you're not actually using, you're only paying for the data you need. There is no contract, no excessive fees. You'll just enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data all for just 20 bucks a month. The average person is saving 400 bucks a year on their wireless bill, which is a lot of money in these trying times. Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, and say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you get this amazing deal. Save 50% off your first month, which means that Again, you'll be spending like 10 bucks a month for your first month. Again, that is pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro and slash that cell phone bill down to the bone and have the same exact coverage. It really is fantastic. Pure Talk USA, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro and say 50% off your first month when you do. All righty, so the media have been attempting to spin this thing and spin it they have. The New York Times headlined, they tweeted this out, quote, Senator Kamala Harris of California is Joe Biden's pick for vice president, a pragmatic moderate She's the first black woman on a major party ticket. Well, the only sentence, the only part of that sentence that matters to the New York Times is, as we will see, the last part of that sentence, that she's the first black woman on a major party ticket. I don't think this has the same quite historic appeal, you know, black woman on a major party ticket as Barack Obama, first black president for two terms. I think we have already established in the United States that we are willing to elect black people to extraordinarily high office. Kamala Harris is not breaking any glass ceilings here because there was no glass ceiling. Hillary Clinton was the last major party nominee. She won the popular vote. So we've already had a woman who won the most popular votes in a presidential election, and we've already had a two-term black president. So 
the notion that Kamala Harris faces unique obstacles is absolutely ridiculous. In fact, she faces such non-unique obstacles that she could flame out so dramatically as a candidate. She didn't even last to the first primary, and then she can get selected specifically because she checks certain intersectional boxes. This is not the story of a woman who earned her way to the VP nomination, okay? She completely blew herself up, and it doesn't matter because the media clamored for particular boxes to be checked, and thus the boxes were checked. Is she a pragmatic moderate? Of course she's not a pragmatic moderate. But the New York Times is, is doing the full-on drool cup routine. Their front page is just astonishing. I mean, their, their front page today is just created, handcrafted in Kamala Harris's third bedroom in her guest house. It's amazing. They've got the full-on hero picture of Kamala Harris. She's crossing her arms. She's looking into the distance, Che Guevara style. It's really, it's really a, a beautiful photo. The giant headline says, Harris joins Biden ticket, achieving a first. Ooh. And then there are three more headlines. Here are the, four, here are the three more headlines. You ready for this? Political warrior shaped by life in two worlds. Wow. Political warrior shaped by life in two worlds. Pick scene as safe but energizing. Ah, uh, safe and also energizing. Why? That's as good as it gets. It's both safe and energizing. I mean, it's like the Energizer Bunny, but also it's safe. Uh, incredible. Okay, and then there's this headline. Woman of color in number two slot of major party. Wow. Unbelievable. Groundbreaking. We, yes, we had a black president for, for two terms. We did. And we had a woman who won the most popular votes. But woman of color in the number two slot of a major party. Wow. Wow. Historic. By, by the way, this is a pretty great country, is it not? Yeah, I've been told that opportunities are not available to people of color. Kamala Harris is the daughter of a Jamaican immigrant and an Indian American immigrant. And she rose through the ranks to become a senator from California and then was selected as vice president of the United States. Seems like a pretty great life. Seems like there's a pretty damned great country that she will then set about her mind to, to talk about how terrible it is. Okay, but, so the media are just, they've got the drool cups full out for Kamala Harris. David Axelrod says she's the safest pick, the advisor to Barack Obama. Obama himself was very thrilled with the Kamala Harris pick. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama said some kind of sexist things about her looks, actually, back in the day. In any case, CNN's David Axelrod, he says, it is a measure of these extraordinary times that Joe Biden's historic choice for vice president was also the most conventional. In choosing Kamala Harris, Biden selected the candidate who had been the frontrunner among political handicappers and betting markets for months. The senator from California fulfills Biden's pledge to name a woman and responds to the expectation that he would pick the first woman of color ever to serve on a national ticket. Pressure to make such a choice had been building since the killing of George Floyd, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Harris is a charismatic, intelligent politician. Okay, so this is where it is pretty obvious that that David Axelrod has been uh, taking Joe Rogan's advice and, and trying DMT. Harris is a charismatic, intelligent politician. Really? Is she? Is she now? I mean, I suppose she's magnetic on television in the same way that Joaquin Phoenix is magnetic in that scene from Joker, where he goes on the late night show and then proceeds to laugh like a hysterical, crazy person. As a U.S. senator and recent presidential candidate, Harris also meets another important test for Biden. People familiar with research research the campaign undertook to inform its decision told me voters viewed her as among the most qualified to be president day one. Elizabeth Warren's just over in the corner crying somewhere. <laughs> by, by the way, the polling numbers like that are incredibly stupid. They, they view her as qualified to be president. That's because they know her name. They didn't know the names of any of the other people being discussed. She is familiar with the maelstrom of a national campaign, says David Axelrod, having spent a year running for president, albeit unsuccessfully. Though she was at times less than sure-footed in dealing with incoming criticism, she understands the pace and nature of it, which will only intensify in a fall race against Trump. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. It's, it's amazing. 
apparently everybody in the media have the have the memory span of a guppy. They're all like Dory from from Finding Nemo. They don't remember five minutes ago when Tulsi Gabbard finished her on the stage. I mean, absolutely brutalized her. So President Trump, for his part, he reacted. He said, I'm glad that Joe picked Kamala Harris. He is correct. He should be glad that Joe picked Kamala Harris. Now he gets to turn this into a Trump versus Harris campaign, which is a much better campaign for him. It's been difficult for him to attack Joe Biden because, again, Joe Biden is basically a dead person. Joe Biden is a corpse. It is difficult to attack a corpse. But now, because it appears that Joe Biden has picked a radical as his VP candidate and because Joe Biden is a corpse, Trump should just go right around Biden. He should. Joe Biden was ignored for most of his political career because he's a career politician with no particular skills to recommend him. He, he was ignored in 1,000 presidential campaigns before, and then he was Obama's VP. It's only his association with others that has made Joe Biden in any way an important figure in Washington, D.C. And right now, it is very obvious. I mean, Joe Biden himself has said that he is a transitional figure. So Trump should just treat him that way. He should treat him the same way that most Americans treat the Washington football team's new name. In fact, I think the Washington football team should rename itself the Washington Bidens in honor of the fact that it's an interim name that means nothing and will be gone incredibly soon. Here was President Trump saying he is glad that Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris. Again, he should be. She was my number one pick. I mean, she was, as they would say, because hopefully you'll start college football. She was my number one draft pick. And we'll see how she works out. She did very, very poorly in the uh, primaries, as you know. She was expected to do well. And she was, she ended up at right around 2% and spent a lot of money. She had a lot of things happening. And so I was a little surprised that he picked her. Fact check, true. Fact check, true. Trump then suggested that she is nasty and disrespectful, which of course is going to launch a thousand headlines about how it's sexist to point out that Kamala Harris is actually quite cruel, which she absolutely is, as we'll talk about in just one moment, not just to small, truant children, but also to the person who she's now running with. Okay, we're gonna get to that in just a moment. Here, here was Trump going after Harris yesterday. She's got a lot of difficult things that she's going to have to explain. Plus, she was very, very nasty to one of the reasons that surprised me. She was very, she was probably nastier than even Pocahontas to Joe Biden. She was very disrespectful to Joe Biden. And it's hard to pick somebody that's that disrespectful when she said things during the debates, during the Democrat primary debates that were horrible. Okay, well, he is absolutely right about that. We'll get to the campaign ad that the Trump campaign immediately released as soon as Kamala Harris was named the pick. But first, if you have a car that's taking up space sitting in your driveway, why would you not get rid of it? You're paying insurance on that thing, and you could do something amazing with that car. Donate it to Cars for Kids. Many of you have heard that jingle. You know, the one that you know, right? The one that I'm going to sing right now. It's going to be stuck in your head the rest of the day. You ready for it? One eight seven seven cars for kids K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids. Now it's stuck in your head the rest of your life. Well, it will be until you give your car to Cars for Kids. You get a tax deduction and a vacation voucher. Here's how it works. Cars for Kids makes the process of donating your car quick and easy. It takes just about two minutes. They handle all the details, all the paperwork. All you need to do is schedule a pickup and sign the title. Your car donation, it's fast and free. It's usually picked up within 24 hours, often even the same day. Cars for Kids will take your car even if it is not running. Donating your car is tax deductible. Your tax deduction is based on the sale price of your car. Cars for Kids works hard to sell your car for the best price, which means more funds for their charity and a bigger tax deduction for you. As a special thank you for donating your car, Cars for Kids gives you a vacation voucher good for a three-day and two-night hotel stay. So this is a pretty awesome deal. With Cars for Kids, you get a professional service, a convenient pickup, a maximum tax deduction, a vacation voucher, and a good deed. Donate today at carsforkids.org. 
That's cars with a K, K-A-R-S, the number four, kids.org slash Ben, K-A-R-S four K-I-D-S dot org slash Ben. They'll give you the donation experience that you deserve. Carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. The Trump campaign has now put out an ad like immediately upon Joe Biden naming Kamala Harris. Here was the Trump campaign ad. It is indeed an effective ad. Kamala Harris ran for president by rushing to the radical left, embracing Bernie's plan for socialized medicine, calling for trillions in new taxes, attacking Joe Biden for racist policies. Voters rejected Harris. They smartly spotted a phony, but not Joe Biden. He's not that smart. Biden calls himself a transition candidate. He is handing over the reins to Kamala while they jointly embrace the radical left. Slow Joe and phony Kamala. Perfect together. Wrong for America. So he's going to need to do better than phony Kamala because I don't think that, that it's the, the question about Kamala Harris is not that she is a phony. The, the question about Kamala Harris is that she is an extraordinarily radical candidate who is indeed manipulative. I would be going Trojan horse Harris. I mean, pretty obvious Trojan horse Harris, right? I mean, that, that Biden is not even he, he like they're wheeling him around on a gurney at this point. And as soon as like Kamala Harris is just like, just make it to ju- just make it to January, Joe. Just make it to January, Joe. Just make it to January, Joe. <laughs> That's what the Democratic Party is basically praying for at this point. Now, let's go through a little bit of Kamala Harris's history, because I think it's important to recognize the way that her career took shape. Right. This is this is a person who is basically willing to say or do anything to get power, but who also has extraordinarily strong authoritarian tendencies. She is very, very extreme. And all of this is fair game. Okay, before everybody starts shouting that that you're not allowed to talk about Kamala Harris's past, she's running for vice president of the United States. It was fair game when she was running for Senate. It was fair game when she was running for president. It is fair game now that she's the vice presidential nominee on a major party ticket. Okay, so it is absolutely fair game to ask how she started her career. And Donald Trump is not going to be shy about mentioning this. A 1994 L.A. Times report about then-California Assembly Speaker Willie Brown's rush to hand out patronage jobs described Kamala Harris as Brown's frequent companion and said several people's referred to her as Brown's girlfriend. Okay, that report also cited a column from the Chronicle's Herb Cain that called Harris the Speaker's new study. Brown was married at the time. Willie Brown, he's one of the most powerful people in California. He was 60. She was 29, so it was a love match. According to Kane, the couple split up in 1995, which flabbergasted those who found Kamala the perfect antidote to whatever playboy tendencies still reside in the mayor-elect's jaunty persona. He ended up as the mayor of San Francisco. Although Brown supported Harris in her successful 2003 run for San Francisco district attorney, she tried to distance herself from him in that race, telling San Francisco Weekly that Brown, whose career was then dogged by corruption allegations, was an albatross hanging around my neck. His career is over. I will be alive and kicking for the next 40 years. I do not owe him a thing, she told San Francisco Weekly. And this is pretty typical Kamala Harris, right? So she dates the guy when she's 29 and he's 60. He gives her a bunch of patronage positions. And then as soon as she is running for DA in San Francisco, she's like, I've never heard of him. He's a bad man. I think he's corrupt. Brown wrote, yes, I may have influenced her career by appointing her to two state commissions when I was assembly speaker. He was the speaker of the assembly from 80 to 95. Brown appointed Harris to the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and then to the Medical Assistance Commission, positions that paid her more than $400,000 over five years. He also gave her a BMW. He said, I certainly helped her win her first race for district attorney in San Francisco. I've also helped the careers of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, and Dianne Feinstein. He added, the difference is that Harris is the only one who, after I helped her, sent word I would be indicted if I so much as jaywalked while she was DA, Brown wrote. That's politics for you. <laughs> ah, Kamala Harris, what a, what a charmer. Okay, but Kamala Harris then became a, a district attorney 
in San Francisco. And then on the basis of that, she ran for attorney general in California. And there she campaigned as a hardcore law and order type. And she said that she was going to go after criminals. And listen, I'm a big fan of going after criminals, but she simultaneously went after very, very low level offenders and also basically did nothing to lower the crime rates in California, which is kind of an amazing achievement when you think about it. Kamala Harris, according to Lara Bazelon, the director of the Criminal Juvenile Justice and Racial Justice Clinical Programs, writing in the New York Times, said, consider her record as San Francisco District Attorney from 2004 to 2011. Ms. Harris was criticized in 2010 for withholding information about a police laboratory technician who'd been accused of intentionally sabotaging her work and stealing drugs from the lab. After a memo surfaced showing that Harris's deputies knew about the technician's wrongdoing in recent conviction, but failed to alert defense lawyers, a judge condemned Harris's indifference to the systemic violation of the defendant's constitutional rights. Harris contested the ruling, arguing that the judge, whose husband was a defense attorney, had a conflict of interest. Harris lost, and more than 600 cases handled by the corrupt technician were dismissed. She also famously decided that she was going to support a law that allowed for the prosecution of parents for truancy of children. In 2004, Harris and then San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom, who's now the governor of California, launched an anti-truancy initiative. The $450,000 program included a warning to parents they could face a criminal charge if their kids didn't show up to school. To be considered truant, a student needed to be only 30 minutes late without an unapproved excuse on more than two occasions. Parents of students with 20 or more unexcused absences in a year could face a year in jail or a $2,500 fine. And then she laughed about it. And then she laughed about that, like openly. So... That, that was her shtick. Her shtick was that she was going to be the tough on crime candidate. And this has led, obviously, to a lot of consternation among radical left types about her being a cop. And frankly, I think some of that consternation is warranted. I mean, she endorsed, she endorsed legislation that would allow for the confiscation of private assets before a prosecution, before a prosecution took place. She, she backed civil asset forfeiture before any of the civil before any of the prosecutions had actually been legalized at that point. So she was willing to use the authority of the government to do pretty much anything, which is very much in line with with Kamala Harris's thinking. And then obviously when she was running for president, then it became totally okay to joke about past marijuana use, right? So she prosecuted like a thousand people, 1500 people for marijuana use, which again, like if you're as a strict law and order guy, if you're a drug dealer and it gets downgraded to a marijuana use charge and you go to jail, I don't have a problem with that. But Kamala, you certainly don't get to laugh about smoking pot at the same time that you're talking about how you were a great prosecutor. Here was Kamala Harris laughing at her own marijuana use. What's happening here? Good vibes. Like, it's like yoga. It's always. <laughs> okay, but she actually went on a podcast where she laughed about her own marijuana use. This led Tulsi Gabbard to famously wreck Harris during a debate, pointing out that Kamala Harris was the queen of tough on crime and then laughed and scoffed about her own marijuana use at exactly the same time, basically. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. 
And Harris was attacked like this twice in debate and had no answer to it anywhere along the line, which is, this is why it's no shock that Brianna Joy Gray, who is the former national press secretary for Bernie Sanders, labeled Harris as America's quote unquote top cop. Right. So, so she's going to be attacked from the left for being too harsh on crime. But she was only harsh on crime on, on a low level, really, because she wanted to be perceived that way so th- that she could then run as senator. Because being a Democratic prosecutor always makes you look better when you run for senator. Then, as soon as she became senator, she swiveled to the extraordinarily radical left. By the way, at the same time that she was being tough on crime, she was cultivating the banks. She was cultivating Silicon Valley. Apparently, Silicon Valley is super duper pleased that Kamala Harris has now been chosen, according to Recode. Cooper Tebow, a former Democratic fundraiser, a top Democratic fundraiser in Silicon Valley, said about one third of major West Coast donors have been waiting to see who Biden would choose as VP. If Biden had chosen Warren, they would have had concerns. But they said that Kamala Harris is a safe pick. So very tough on the prosecutions of the marijuana, uh, but pretty tight with all the people in, in power. So that, that pretty much it confirms what we think about, about Kamala Harris. We'll get to her actual authoritarian streak in just one second, because she has a strong authoritarian streak. First, let us talk about getting in shape. Now, getting in shape doesn't have to be about losing a specific amount of weight or a magic number on the scale. It's about building a healthier lifestyle. And this is why I have been so overjoyed to use Noom. You may have noticed that I'm looking more svelte these days. In fact, over the past few months, really since the beginning of the pandemic, I've dropped somewhere between 15 and 20 pounds. I've done a lot of that simply by using Noom to help monitor my habits and change my habits each and every day. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. No food is good, bad, or off limits. Noom teaches moderation, can be used in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets if you want. Noom doesn't tell you what to do and what not to do. It teaches you how to look inside your own mind and make better decisions for yourself. Noom has one of the biggest, most accurate food databases available that lets you track meal habits, visualize portion sizes, and see calorie density at a glance. You can chat with your goal specialist in Noom community and get and give help to people going through the same things. It really forms a sense of community. It really is fantastic. I've recommended it to my own parents. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash Shapiro. Got nothing to lose. Visit Noom.com slash Shapiro to start that trial today. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. If it worked for me, it can work for you as well. They make it really easy. Noom.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so... What do we learn from Kamala Harris's tenure? Well, we learn that she's incredibly manipulative, that she will use people to get ahead and then she will ditch them at the first available opportunity. As we'll see, she did this to Joe Biden as well. And she will ditch him at first available opportunity as well, too. We know that she is perfectly willing to use the auspices of government in order to achieve particular goals. She's willing to be authoritarian in her use of government. And she's threatened to be incredibly authoritarian if ever she became president. During this last campaign, she repeatedly talked about how she was going to overthrow the boundaries of constitutional government, like all the time. She said openly that she would give Congress 100 days to act on guns. And then if Congress did not act on guns, then she would immediately use executive action to act on guns. So this is her openly threatening to violate the Constitution. If Congress doesn't do, there there is no clause in the Constitution, by the way, that says if Congress doesn't do what the president wants, the executive branch shall have the power to simply declare the law. There's nothing in the Constitution like that. But as we'll see, Kamala Harris does not give two good dams about the Constitution because that's who she is. Here is Kamala Harris in open debate saying that she'd give Congress 100 days to act on guns, then she'd just do it herself. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically what I will do is put in place a requirement 
that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. Amazing. Amazing. So she's just going to do it herself. And then when she was asked about this in open debate, right, Joe Biden was like, um, that's unconstitutional, Kamala. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can't just do as president of the United States. And Kamala Harris like, well, yes, we can. Ah! Hyena like Joker laugh. OK, so by the way, like it's I guess it's good that she was cast as VP because otherwise she would have been the heir apparent for for the Joker part. Right? Jared Leto was out already. So in the next Suicide Squad, it would have been Kamala Harris laughing with that crazy Cesar Romero kind of giggle. Okay, here she was trying to explain to Joe Biden that the Constitution is hackneyed and no longer matters. And Joe Biden's standing there. But I remember the Constitution. I was there when they, when they wrote it. I've been ignoring it for a year. And then he fell asleep. Here, this was from a Democratic debate. You can't do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can. Many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying, no, we can't, let's say, yes, we can. <laughs> let's be constitutional. We got a constitution. And yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, that, looking forward to a lot of that. Looking forward to a lot of that. Get ready. You're going to get a lot of that. That crazy laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff happening there. So she's an authoritarian who can laugh crazily. So that's that's exciting stuff. By the way, she also supports packing the Supreme Court. So that's good. Definitely somebody who is a, a pragmatic moderate, according to the New York Times. Harris told Politico, quote, we are on the verge of a crisis of confidence in the Supreme Court. We have to take this challenge head on. Everything is on the table to do that. So she joined with Beto and Kirsten Gillibrand and Elizabeth Warren, saying that she might consider packing at the courts. She's definitely a moderate, guys. Definitely, definitely a moderate. Okay, and then there's Kamala Harris, the opportunist. So as we talked about, rather opportunistic in her early career. Okay, but she's been even more opportunistic on issues of race. So very early on uh, in this race, she she basically recognizing that, that her main pitch for the presidency was the intersectional check marks on her resume. She complained that people should not say anything about identity politics. She said identity politics is good. Don't worry, she's a moderate who will bring Americans together. But identity politics is good. It's a way to, anybody who complains about it is just trying to shut us up. No, I want her to laugh more. I, I want more of that charming, graceful laugh from Kamala Harris. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful sound. Anybody who doesn't think that that sound is beautiful is, uh, is simply being misogynistic. Here was Kamala Harris talking about how identity politics have been, uh, are good. They are, they're an active, affirmative good. Term identity politics People will use that term. It's like people used to talk about the race card. Right. And they'll bring this term up when you talk about issues that are about race, about sexual orientation, about religion. Um, they'll bring it up when we're talking about civil rights issues as a way to marginalize the issue, as a way to, frankly, try to silence you or shut you up. Okay, no one's shutting up Kamala Harris. She's been fully able to talk for literally her entire life. I mean, basically since she was a child, she's been able to talk. And uh, it seems like nobody has really been successful in uh, enforcing her into saying anything or not saying anything. In fact, she's been able to say anything and everything she wants to say, including some of the dumbest crap that's ever entered the human lexicon. Here's Kamala Harris tweeting back in January 2019. You'll remember that there was a victim of a hate crime named Jesse Smollett. Unfortunately, his victimizer was also a man named Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett suggested that there are two white men wearing red MAGA hats, basically, walking down the street at 3 a.m. in Chicago in the middle of a, of a freezing windstorm who decided to hit him with bleach and then 
put a rope around his neck, and it all ended up being bullcrap, which was perfectly obvious it was from basically the first moments. Kamala Harris, however, jumped in at the time and tweeted out, Jussie Smollier is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempt in modern-day lynching. By the way, this tweet is still up. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. And, uh, you know, it's true. I mean, Jussie Smollett did commit a hate crime against Jussie Smollett. And Kamala Harris was very upset about it at the time. It was a modern-day lynching by Jussie Smollett against Jussie Smollett. Kamala Harris is an incredibly, incredibly cynical politician. How cynical is she? Well, she has now decided to sign on to the campaign of a man that she called essentially a segregationist and perhaps also a sexual abuser. Uh, That is Kamala Harris. Don't worry, she's not an opportunist in any way. She is merely a sincere, pragmatic moderate. A sincere, pragmatic moderate. You have nothing to fear from the manipulative, opportunistic, authoritarian, radical. Nothing to fear, guys. Nothing to fear. She was the safest possible pick. We're going to get to more of Kamala Harris opportunist in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact. Now, terrible time to go to the post office. And not only is it a terrible time, why would you anyway? You can get special deals right now on the cost of your stamps, on the cost of your postage. You can get incredible deals right now at stamps.com that save you tremendous amounts of time and money. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their home computers or office computers. With stamps.com, you can print postage on demand. You can avoid heading over to the post office and you save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62%, no residential surcharges. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using stamps.com since 2017, which is one of the reasons why we are a highly profitable media empire. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need directly to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you're a small business sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and you need to mail stuff in, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. And as I say, with Stamps.com, you get amazing discounts, five cents off every stamp, 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates. It is a no-brainer. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro, and you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale, no long-term commitments. Just go to Stamps.com, enter Shapiro, go check it out right now. Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro, save money the same way that I do at home, same way that we do here at Daily Wire. Stamps.com, for the best possible rates, best possible prices, save yourself tons of time. Stamps.com, click on that mic at the top of the page, type in Shapiro. Okay, before we get to more of the Charming and moderate, Kamala Harris. And we're about to get to what Kamala Harris said about uh, Joe Biden during this campaign. Basically, she now says that she is going to uh, run on the same ticket as a quasi-segregationist who would have kept her out of integrated schools and a person who routinely uh, sexually harasses women. But she's very principled, guys. Very principled. We'll get to that in a second. First, I need to tell you about our most exclusive membership tier over at Daily Wire, All Access. All Access members get to join All Access Live. That's our exclusive live stream Q&As hosted every night by each of the hosts, including myself. This Thursday, August 13th, for example, I will be hosting an All Access Live. We'll be discussing my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, which has been at the top of the charts since it was released in July. I've gotten a lot of amazing feedback. We've got questions from you, our readers. So this Thursday night, I'll be taking questions and discussing some of the themes, ideas, etc. in the book with all of you All Access members. We will also possibly be reading rap lyrics. Apparently, this is a very popular thing that I do. And yes, my cover of that awful Cardi B song is better than the original. I mean, listen, skill sets I didn't even know I had. All Access membership also features exclusive access to live online discussions with our hosts, writers, and special guests, along with not one, but two, count them, two leftist tiers tumblers with your membership, as well as early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. You saw that last week with our limited count collector's edition baseball bat, available only to All Access members. 
You missed out if you weren't an all-access member. It sold out in less than 48 hours. Head on over right now to dailywire.com slash Shapiro. You get 20% off all access with coupon code ACCESS. You can also get my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. If you want to join the discussion, remember, dailywire.com slash Shapiro with coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership. You are listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Absolutely opportunistic Kamala Harris, willing to say or do literally anything to get ahead. Literally anything to get ahead. And, and all you have to do is point to the comments she made about Joe Biden. By the way, some of us are consistent. I defended Joe Biden against this garbage, scurrilous attack back when she originally levied it against him. So you'll remember all the way back at the beginning of this campaign, it was a Democratic debate. This little tete-a-tete sent Kamala Harris rocketing to the top of the polls because everyone is stupid and everyone is dishonest. Essentially, Kamala Harris called Joe Biden a segregationist. She said if it were if Joe Biden had had his way, then little Kamala, little little baby Kamala never would have been able to go to an integrated public school in San Francisco, except for the fact that she obviously would have. And um, and Joe Biden was not opposed to integration. And um, it was all a lie. And she doesn't support forced busing. But it was this magical attack that made Kamala Harris's name on the national stage because this lady is willing to say or do anything. She will savage anyone to get ahead. Here she was going after the guy who would later select her as VP because he's a doddering old fool. It's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Okay, and then she started selling for 30 bucks a pop. That little girl was me t-shirts. Like within moments. It was a pre-planned attack on the guy who would later select her as VP. Calling him a racist. Okay, so the media are going into full spin mode on this because this is not the same thing as Ronald Reagan picking George H.W. Bush after H.W. suggested that Reaganomics was voodoo economics. That's a disagreement on policy, right? That, that would be the same thing as Biden picking Harris and them having disagreements on Medicare for all, right? Which is a thing. I mean, that's true. That's not quite the same thing as someone calls you an overt racist who is going to stop her from going to an integrated school when she was a child. Okay, that's what she did there. And all the revisionist history in the world ain't gonna fix that. Okay, she is now running, what an opportunist. She's running on the same ticket as a man that she called a segregationist, essentially. And then she doubled down on it. She said that Biden should apologize for ever having said any kind words about any senator who ever was a segregationist. And she demanded that apology. And in fact, when asked if Biden should drop out of the race, okay, she was like, well, that's up to him. What, what an honorable, honorable, deeply honorable candidate. I mean, I wouldn't fear her in a position of power at all, this lady. To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who, if they had their way, I would literally not be standing here as a member of the United States Senate, is, I think, um, it's just, it's misinformed and it's wrong. Should Does Joe Biden apologize, apologize for that? He's going to have to make that decision. But, you know, let's be very clear that the, the, the senators that he is speaking of with such adoration are individuals who made and built their reputation on segregation. Okay, so, um, yeah, that's who she was. And by the way, she didn't stop there. When Kamala Harris was asked during this campaign, because she was desperate to win, I mean, desperate to get any sort of traction at all, she had none. She was like wheels skidding on ice throughout this campaign. When 
she was asked about the accusers who came forward and said Joe Biden is weird and creepy and smells people's hairs and, and touches them in inappropriate ways. Kamala Harris was like, yeah, I believe the accusers. So she is now running on the ticket with a with <laughs> with a guy who she literally called a quasi segregationist who sexually harasses women regularly. But don't worry, she loves him and they are best friends. And also she is not an opportunist in any way. She's just a deeply honest politician of, of conviction. Believe them, and I, I respect um, them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. Do you believe that the vice president should enter this race? Oh, I, he's going to have to make that decision for himself. I wouldn't tell him what to do. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't tell him what to do. But, you know, if he, if, if he dropped out, that'd be great. That's not the same thing as vice presidents and presidents having general conflicts of views. That is her basically insinuating that Joe Biden is a, a horrible human being. Right, so that was Kamala Harris. But the, the good news for, for Joe Biden is that he is not the only target of her tender mercies. Uh, you'll remember when Kamala Harris essentially implied that, that Justice Brett Kavanaugh was a rapist. In fact, during the hearings on, on Brett Kavanaugh, she went in a cloakroom and handed to Republicans an anonymous letter accusing Brett Kavanaugh of rape. It was signed by a woman named Jane Doe, right, meaning just an anonymous person. It contained no details whatsoever, and it was used as the basis for questioning because that's who Kamala Harris is. Here is Kamala Harris going after Brett Kavanaugh, asking him if he had taken a polygraph, pushing an FBI investigation. And and then when he's it, one of Kavanaugh's lines of defense was, here are a bunch of women who I've treated incredibly well throughout my career. And Kamala Harris was like, well, is it true that you can be friends with some women and treat other women badly? She's just, she's so cynical and so awful. And she, she ugh. I mean, she, just a, a bad person. Here, here's Kamala Harris being a bad person. Judge Kavanaugh, have you taken a professionally administered polygraph test? I've not heard you answer a very specific question that's been asked, which is, are you willing to ask the White House to conduct an investigation by the FBI to get to whatever you believe is the bottom of the allegations that have been levied against you? Do you agree that it is possible for men to both be friends with some women? And treat other women badly. This was this was touted by the media as an extraordinary showing by Kamala Harris. By the way, that wasn't even the worst thing she did during the Kamala during the Kavanaugh hearings. The worst thing she did during the Kavanaugh hearings is she somehow she threw out a bizarre theory that Brett Kavanaugh was working with a a law firm called Kasowitz that was also working with the Trump administration against the Mueller investigation, and so somehow. For some unnamed reason, Kavanaugh was obstructing the Mueller investigation or something. She kind of threw this out there. It created a bevy of headlines. And then she never followed up on it because that's what she does. That's what she does. She uses anything at hand in order to harm her political opposition, no matter how dishonestly she has to be, no, no matter how dishonest she has to be. Here she was going after Brett Kavanaugh for some weird theory about him sharing a law firm with, with members of the Trump administration. Have you discussed Mueller or his investigation with anyone at Kasowitz, Benson and Torres, the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, President Trump's personal lawyer? Uh, Be sure about your answer, sir. Is there a person you're talking about? I'm asking you a very direct question. Yes or no. Who'd you talk to? You have an impeccable memory. You've been speaking for almost eight hours, I think more, with this committee about all sorts of things you remember. Yeah. How can you not remember whether or not you had a conversation about Robert Mueller or his investigation with anyone at that law firm? She literally never explained what the hell she meant by this at all. This, this made huge headlines at the time. 
right? She was going to uncover, be careful of your answer, sir. He was, she was going to uncover the conspiracy. She was going to uncover a conspiracy whereby Brett Kavanaugh was somehow conferring behind closed doors with a law firm that was representing Trump in the Mueller, like nothing ever came of this because she's a bad human being, okay? When you throw out allegations like this in open, in open questioning of a Supreme Court nominee with no support whatsoever, and then you just kind of like, it just disappears into the ether. It is amazing, amazing that this person is considered a credible politician on the national stage. None of this, by the way, even touches her political radicalism. Some, a lot of this goes to character. She's an authoritarian by nature. She's an opportunist by nature. And she's willing to say or do anything to get ahead. Okay, that is perfectly obvious throughout her career. As somebody from California, she's been my senator for quite a while. She was my AG. Okay, this is, this is somebody who's willing to, to pursue any policy that she thinks is going to bring her power. Okay, which brings us to what she would actually do with the power. Her actual views on a variety of issues are extraordinarily radical. She's no pragmatic moderate. She's nowhere near the middle of the political spectrum. She's extensively radical, extraordinarily radical. Hey, I don't know if you remember this one. She's, she's extremely anti-Catholic. Alexander DeSanctis, writing at National Review, reminds, reminds everybody that in late 2018, while evaluating the nomination of Brian Boucher to serve as a district judge in Nebraska, Harris posed a series of questions insinuating that his involvement in the Knights of Columbus, a charitable Catholic fraternal organization, disqualified him from serving on the bench. One of her written questions was, since 1993, you have been a member of the Knights of Columbus, an all-male society comprised primarily of Catholic men. In 2016, Carl Anderson, leader of the Knights of Columbus, described abortion as a legal regime that has resulted in more than 40 million deaths. Anderson went on to say abortion is the killing of the innocent on a mass scale. Were you aware the Knights of Columbus opposed a woman's right to choose when you joined the organization. She then went on to ask Boucher whether he was aware the Knights of Columbus opposed marriage equality when he joined or whether he had ever in any way assisted with or contributed to advocacy against women's reproductive rights. Okay, that's a Catholic. The Knights of Columbus is a Catholic group with millions of members. It's an important charity. And she was basically saying that because you're a Catholic, you shouldn't be on the bench because that's who Kamala Harris is. Kamala Harris is the same person who filed an amicus brief in Hobby Lobby arguing that religious practice should basically be relegated to the home. In her amicus brief, Terrence Jeffries pointed this out at the time. She argued, quote, rights to the free exercise of religious beliefs, whether created by statute or by the constitution, likewise protect the development and expression of an inner sanctum of personal religious faith. Free exercise rights have thus also been understood as a personal, as personal relating only to individual believers and to a limited class of associations comprising or representing them. There is no tradition of recognizing or accommodating the exercise of such inherently personal rights by ordinary for-profit business corporations. In other words, if you operate in the business sphere, we are going to completely override your religious rights. That is the legal regime that Kamala Harris seeks. She says, it would be better to keep the free exercise of religion within the boundaries of religious institutions. She says the term religion itself connotes a community of believers. Religious organizations act as critical buffers between the individual and the power of the state giving individuals a space to which to, in which to exercise faith without state intrusion. In other words, maybe she'll make an exception for some of the for some of the religious organizations. Don't count on it, gang. Do not count on it. She she is not going to allow religious believers to operate their businesses in accordance with their actual religious scruples. It's not just that. On abortion, she's extraordinarily radical, extremely radical. In fact, she had a proposal modeled on the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that would require any state with a history of passing laws restricting abortion access to get clearance, preclearance from the Justice Department. So Kamala Harris would force the state of Alabama to run any law that affects abortion by Kamala Harris's DOJ before passing the law, which violates all precepts of federalism, like all precepts of federalism. 
I mean, it's pretty incredible. So that she, by the way, she is so radical on abortion that she voted a lot. She, she voted against. She's one of many Democrats. In fact, every Democratic presidential candidate to vote against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. That's an act that was specifically designed to prevent infanticide. Okay, she voted against that. It's, it's pretty amazing. Ben Sass was the chief sponsor. He said, I want to ask each and every one of my colleagues whether or not we're okay with infanticide. He said, this is about the most simple thing you can say, which is that a baby is a baby and they have dignity and worth. It's not because they're powerful, it's because they're babies. Today's a sad day in the United States. Didn't matter, Kamala Harris voted against it because she's a radical on abortion. She also happens to be a radical on immigration. In an open hearing, she associated ICE, right, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement with the KKK. Here was, here was Kamala Harris doing just that. I do not see a parallel between what is constitutionally mandated as, in, as it relates to enforcing the law. Are you aware that there's a perception? Rights. I see no Are you aware that there's a that perception? That puts ICE in the same category as the KKK. Is that what you're asking me? No, I'm very specific about what I'm asking. Are you aware of a perception that the way that the discretion... I see to no inf- parallel. I'm not finished. I see none. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Are you aware that there's a perception that that ICE is administering its power in a way that is causing fear? Unbelievable. Okay, this is the same lady who says that, oh, by the way, all illegal immigrants should receive Medicare. So we should pay for the entire medical burden of anybody who comes to the country illegally. She said this to Jake Tapper during the race. Don't worry, she's not a radical guy. She's a pragmatic moderate. I keep saying it over and over. Why don't you believe me that she's a pragmatic moderate? I mean, who are you going to believe? Me or the words coming out of Kamala Harris's face? Every individual who is a resident of the United States is entitled to benefits for health care services under this act. Not every individual who's a citizen, but every individual who's a resident. Mm-hmm. So you support giving universal health care, Medicare for all, to people who are in this country illegally? Let me just be very clear about this. I am opposed to any policy that would deny in our country any human being from access to public safety, public education, or public health period. Okay, and where is she on public health, by the way? So she was original endorser of Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All. Then she realized it was unpopular, and later she moved to a transitional plan, whereby everybody would lose their private insurance inside of 10 years. When she was in her early phase, right, her radical phase, trying to cut off, com- uh, trying to cut off Elizabeth Warren on her left, she openly said that we would phase out private insurance, that we would ban private insurance in the United States. You know, the, the insurance that represents, what, 90% of the American public? Uh, in, in, certainly in the private sector. So here's Kamala Harris saying that she would phase out private health care. Don't worry, pragmatic, moderate guys, pragmatic, moderate. I believe the solution, and I'm and I'm actually feel very strongly about this, is that we need to have Medicare for all. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us has, has not had that situation where you got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this. Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. Let's move on from private insurance. Let's move on. Moderate. Hey, by the way, this lady's going to be president. She's going to be president. You vote for Joe Biden, he becomes president. She is the president. That is the unspoken truth here. Everybody understands it. Every single person. And don't believe it when the media start with the, how dare you question Joe Biden's mental fitness or his ability to serve out his term. He's going to be 78 in November. 78 in November. But it doesn't stop there. Okay, let's talk more about Kamala Harris's radicalism. Okay, so she was asked on The View how she felt about AOC. How she felt about AOC and the Green New Deal and her plans. And she was specifically asked about a 70% top tax rate, which, by the way, is insane. 
If you want to destroy every major business in the United States, definitely implement the 70% top tax rate. People will just stop working to, to avoid those taxes because why the hell would you do an additional 10 hours of work a week when seven cents out of that, out of that 10 is going directly to the federal government? And that doesn't count the state government, right? That means that in the state of California, where we have a 16, 17% top tax rate, or will within very short order, I think it's 13% now, you'd be talking about paying, what, 83% of your, of your money above a certain point? Here was Kamala Harris being, it's a great idea, we should invest it. Don't worry, guys, not a radical, a pragmatic moderate. Here was her being a pragmatic moderate, endorsing the idea of investigating a 70% top tax rate. And she's promoting policies like saying that every single carbon emission in the country, every car should be eliminated within the next 11 years, everything from a 70 to 80 percent tax rate. Do you agree that she could possibly in this ideology of the socialist left could splinter your party? No, you know, I think that um, she is challenging the status quo. I think that's fantastic. I think I think that she is introducing bold ideas that that should be discussed. And I think it's good for the party. I frankly think it's good for the country. Let's look at the bold ideas. Let's look at all those bold ideas. What are some of the other bold ideas? So she's also endorsed a federal ban on fracking. So we'll see how this goes for uh, Joe Biden in Pennsylvania, where a lot of jobs are aligned on fracking. By the way, you know, somebody is not serious about global warming when their chief policy priority is banning fracking. You're not serious about it. The single greatest reason for declining carbon emissions in the United States is the rise of natural gas replacing oil and coal. That is, that, that is the single greatest rationale for why the United States is actually the, leading, the world's leading decreaser of carbon emissions over the last five to 10 years. But here is Kamala Harris endorsing a federal ban on fracking. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah, and, 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 starting, and starting with what we can do on day one around public lands, right? And, um, and then there has to be legislation. But yes, and this is something I've taken on in California. I have a history of working on this issue. And to your point, um, on, you know, the, we have to just acknowledge that the residual impact of fracking is enormous in terms of the impact on the health and safety of communities. Well, I mean, it, yeah, fracking is really a danger to communities. Like, you know, all the communities with hundreds of thousands of people reliant on the fracking industry. It's a, it's a bold move, Cotton. It's a bold move. Also, she says that we need to incentivize Americans to eat less meat. So good luck with this. I, I think that this is going to go great for Joe Biden. Again, so much moderation just spilling from the lips of Kamala Harris here. The, the balance that we have to strike here, frankly, is about what government can and should do around creating incentives and then banning certain behaviors. I mean, just to be very honest with you, I love cheeseburgers from time to time, right? I mean, I, I, I just do. And, and I think that, um, and, but, there is, but there has to be also what we do in terms of creating incentives that we will eat in a healthy way, that we will encourage moderation, and that we will be educated about the effect of our eating habits on our environment. And we have to do a much better job of that. And the government has to do a much better job of that. Okay, so let's, let's, let's meet guys. Also, let's ban plastic straws. She's, she will use the government to do anything, anything. That's what she said about plastic. She, she's like, yeah, the plastic straws. You want to hear some hysterical Kamala Harris laughter? It's been like a solid few minutes since we played Kamala Harris laughing hysterically and awkwardly when she realized that what she's saying is kind of crazy. Here is uh, Kamala Harris laughing crazily about plastic straws. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. It's really difficult to drink out of a paper straw when you had if you're just like if you don't gulp it down immediately, it starts to bend. And and then, you know, the little thing catches it. And then, you know, so we got to kind of perfect that one a little bit more. So you'd ban it, but rely on innovation. I mean, we got we got it. Yeah. Innovation is, is a process, right? You don't just 
do it. Innovation is a process, but, <laughs> but you know, let's, let's encourage innovation. And, and yeah, we, I think we could do a little bit better than some of those flimsy plastic straws, but we <laughs> need to ban the plastic. <laughs> <All right. laughs> hey, by, by the way, I do love that, that Aaron Burnett, is, 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 that's Aaron Burnett, correct? Who's, who's that reporter is? I, mean, I, I believe that's Aaron Burnett, correct? I don't want to screw up the name of the uh, of the reporter, so I'm going to look this up just to ensure that I'm correct. Yeah, that's Aaron Burnett. So Aaron, so Aaron Burnett, I love her just feeding the line to Kamala Harris. So you're going to ban plastic straws but rely on innovation. Yeah, that's exactly what she was saying. No, what actually happened there is that Kamala Harris was like, I want to ban plastic straws, and then she realized halfway through that the replacement straws are absolute crap. And so she's like, and but they're really bad, the replacement straws, but I still want to ban them because I'm an authoritarian jerk. But, you know, they're really bad. And so Aaron Burnett's like, innovation, innovation. Like from, from offstage left, the line is innovation. And Kamala's like, yeah, innovation, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process, guys. They're like, innovation. <laughs> Man, get ready. Years of that coming up. Years, years if she wins, years. But don't worry. If you're concerned that maybe a lot of this is going to cost money, maybe this is bad policy, we've been reliably informed by Kamala Harris that policy is not about cost, guys. Policy is not about cost. Policy is about the principle behind the thing. Here is Kamala Harris explaining, we should pay no attention to the fact that things cost money. Money is just a figment of your imagination. It's just an idea out there. The really big issue is whether we should be ambitious, ambitious and hopeful. Here she was being like, money, what's that? Why should I care about that? It's not my money. Let's just do it. Policy and cost. $3 trillion a year for Medicare for all by some studies. I don't, depending on which portions of the Green New Deal you pick to do first, that's money. Uh, that you know what the Republicans are going to say, tax and spend liberals, pie in the sky. One of the things that I admire and respect is the measurement that is captured in three letters, ROI. Mm -hmm. What's the return on the investment? People in the private sector understand this really well. It's not about a cost, it's about an investment. And then the question should be, is it worth the cost in terms of the investment potential? Are we going to get back more than we put in? Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what it's about. Don't worry about the cost, guys. Cost is of no consequence whatsoever. By the way, how radical is Kamala Harris? So remember that time I said that she's really willing to like say, or like a few minutes ago when I said she's basically willing to say or do anything to get ahead. And I talked about her prosecutorial record and how there are a lot of people on the left and on sort of the libertarian right who are upset with the fact that she was very much in favor of jailing low-level drug offenders. By the way, again, I've lived in California my entire life. The crime rates here have been not great for a very long time. And she was of very little help as attorney general of the state of California. Well, she was specifically asked the other day about defunding the LAPD. So she has not come out full scale and embraced defund the police, but she was very much in favor of cutting the funding to the Los Angeles Police Department in the aftermath of riots that shut down the city of Los Angeles night on night for a week. Entire county of L.A. shut down at 6 p.m. for a week so that rioters and looters could have their way with the local footlocker. And Kamala Harris went on national TV and said we should probably cut funds to the LAP. But don't don't worry, guys. She's a radical. She, she's not a radical. She's she's a pragmatic moderate who is going to enforce the law and ensure that you and your family. I mean, look at her record as prosecutor. It's not as though she would use power conveniently and for whatever she decided to use it for that day. I mean, this is a person who cares deeply about you and your family and keeping you safe. Here's Kamala Harris saying we should slash the budget in L.A. 
Many cities spend over one third of their entire city budget on policing. But meanwhile, we've been defunding public schools for years in America. We've got to re-examine what we're doing with American taxpayer dollars and ask the question, are we getting the right return on our investment? Are we actually creating healthy and safe communities? And that's a legitimate conversation and it requires a, a really critical evaluation. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Mm-hmm. So don't worry, guys, we can rely on her. She's she's definitely going to keep America safe as well. Now, I think that in essence, to sum up, Joe Biden has made a major boo-boo here. His major boo-boo is that he has basically given away the game. We all know that he is a temporary stand-in for whatever comes next. And what he has decided comes next is that. So if you would like that, meaning a, a Kamala Harris administration, all the policies, all the authoritarianism, all the opportunism, all the, the high-handed unwillingness to listen to opposing points of view. If, if that is what you are in the game for, then by all means, vote for Joe Biden. Vote for Joe Biden. Because if you're going to vote for Biden, what you're going to get is Kamala Harris. That's what the American people must understand. That is what Donald Trump should campaign on. I, I think this is a massive strategic blunder by Joe Biden. We're going to find out in very short order. Alrighty, later today, we'll be here for two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan. Associate producer, Katie Swinnerton. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 